Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2. We're in the last week of our Upping Our Automatic sermon series. We're talking about the healthy habits of a believer. And we spent the last two weeks talking about these things that maybe we wouldn't look at as things that could be habits that we can actually form the spiritual disciplines in our life to create healthy habits as believers. We can create these pathways to where it's, a, it's an automatic thing, where you can mature in your faith because it's an automatic habit that you've created in your life. And I believe this is a tool that's accessible that God created for us to use to experience new levels of your faith, to edify your faith. And man, it's been such an encouraging series so far. And today we're going to focus on community, the importance of doing life and living out this faith journey together and with one another. Is that all right? A little disclaimer. I just want to ask, can I go in and just be fully straightforward with each and every one of you? Can we have some tough skin today? Is that okay? Can I just preach the word of God as it reads and just speak truth? Because I think sometimes it's easy to shy away and make it, you know, all light and fluffy. And today I just think it's the day that we just need to go directly to the word of God and speak the truth over our church. Amen? All right. You said yes. If you said no, somebody else said yes. So <laughs> Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. I'm actually going to read in the NLT. So now you Gentiles, a Gentile is just a person, person of a non-Jewish nation or non-Jewish faith. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. That's a massive statement right up front. Why? Because these people are disenfranchised. They're disconnected. They're not a part of the faith. They're not a part of the descendants. And yet, this scripture starts off and says, you are no longer foreigners or strangers. You are citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You are members, everyone say members, of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I also want to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. The title of my message today is Life in Community. Life in Community. Let's pray before the preaching of God's word. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the beautiful moments of worship and community that have already taken place in this room. We're thankful for your promises. We're thankful that we even got to sing those today and declare them over our lives, over our situations. 
Lord, I pray you'll open up hearts, open up minds to hear your word today. We believe that your word is alive and active. So I pray it would change people from the inside out. Let us be transformed. Let us become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, it's an interesting thing to talk about community and family togetherness as a habit. I think we see good, healthy habits so often as an individual thing ingrained in your humanity and that habits are hidden. The people don't even know that you're doing them. Like most of you wouldn't know, I get up in the morning and when I get out to my car, I sit in my minivan. Hello, I got a minivan. I sit in my minivan and it's a habit of mine. I plug my phone in, I turn on worship music and I pray in the car. I've been doing it for so long now, it feels so weird when you sit in the car and I don't listen to worship music or pray. It's this individual habit that I've just done for so many years. Another habit you wouldn't know about is over the last year of planting our church, I preached 40 messages last year, and I would always go into King State and basically sit in the exact same seat, get the same coffee, and get the same breakfast almost for every single message. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm usually the guy that's like, I go to a restaurant, I get a different thing every time. But it's like, you know, with the bucks today, it's like when you get those lucky socks, like you better wear those lucky socks. You know, you found a good rhythm, you get in a habit of it, you just better do the thing that you're like used to and comfortable with. It's a funny thing that I just formed this habit that none of you would know about. Another habit maybe I do that you wouldn't know about is I actually brush my teeth and floss. Hallelujah, right? It's one of those things you maybe wouldn't fully know that I do every morning, every night, but it's just a habit individually that I do. We're even training our kids right now with having healthy habits in the sense of brushing their teeth, washing their hands, saying please, saying thank you. We're creating these incredible habits with our kids. So with habits... Oftentimes we see them as these individual things that nobody really necessarily sees. And the goal of this series is to help us to develop our healthy habits as believers. Like our first week, we talked about what it looks like to live a life of devotion, meaning being in the word, letting the word saturate your heart, writing down the word and letting it carry on throughout your day. Last week, Casey did an amazing job preaching about prayer, giving us a blueprint of what it looks like to pray, to have a healthy habit of a life of prayer. But hear me, I believe that this will maybe shock some of us. I believe that we can form healthy habits together as well. That community, togetherness, can be a formed and cultivated habit that spurs us on in our faith journey. Amen? Amen. And let me explain that a little bit more. See, the thing is, when we look at Jesus' life throughout the New Testament, which we can all agree in this room is the example of how we're to live. Like, we're trying to attain the lifestyle of Jesus, living sacrificially, going, telling people. Like, would you agree with me? And you always see Jesus throughout the New Testament being in community with others. 
He walks into Jairus' house with Jairus' daughter, and he invites Peter, James, and John. He says, come with me. He's got them. When he goes in the transfiguration up on the mountain, and you have Moses and Elijah, he invites Peter, James, and John. In all these random stories, Jesus is surrounded by people. And we see the only time that Jesus would break off away from the disciples was to have time with the Father. It was to pray to him. It was to have moments of solitude to listen and to have intimacy with God. Jesus, even as a boy, ran to the temple. His parents were looking everywhere for him. And what does he say? I had to be in my father's house. He had, he, the times when he was alone recorded in scripture, he was pursuing the Lord. And the only other time that I've seen recorded in scripture when he was led to solitude was by the Holy Spirit when he was led into 40 days into the wilderness. So we see it all throughout Jesus' life. The only time Jesus didn't intentionally break off away from the disciples was when the Spirit led him. So we see the importance for being alone played out by Jesus is to have intimacy with God. To have intentional moments of solitude which give you moments to hear from God. To speak to God on a relational level. Are you with me? I used to say right before Brianna and I got married... In my younger years, we got married at 23. And in, even into the beginning of our marriage, I used to say, I get recharged by being alone. I would say this all the time. I would tell people, I need to be alone. So what would I do? My, you know, my younger self would run to uh, watch The Office. I would, I would sit on the couch and like decompress watching worldly entertainment, right? I would run and even at the time play some video games. I would do whatever I could to disconnect from reality to find this so-called rest. Even in our honeymoon, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm admitting this from stage. In our honeymoon, I told Brianna one day, I said, hey, I need some alone time. I'm going to go swim in the pool by myself. Like I wish God would have sent an angel at that point and just zapped me a little bit and go, yo, what are you doing? Like you just got married and you're saying you need to be alone. It's so funny that we actually live this out, and I know for all of us, we've all done this. We've all ran to the ways of the world that says this is how you get recharged. This is how you achieve balance. Watch TV alone for hours. No, that's not how we were designed. We are God's temple being joined together in Him. Being alone for self-fulfillment purpose is an earthly and worldly idea made up by our culture. We are not designed to do life alone. God said to Abraham when he was, or to Adam when he was alone in the garden, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And now after developing new habits and spending time with Brianna all these years, we're, we're at nine and a half years of being married now. Can I tell you that we recharge together? When we spend time together, I don't need that alone time. I don't need to be alone. I recharge together. Why? I've created healthy habits of community with her. All this to say, we can so often confuse our relationship with God in only being intentional moments of quiet time with the Lord or at church. We miss out on the fact that our faith is meant to be expressed with others. It's meant to be exercised with other believers. And the majority of what Jesus did on this earth was in community with others. It's life in community. Life in community. And the way that Ephesians 
2.19 explains it, is that our citizenship is that we are members of God's family. Wait, so we've been made citizens, entered into salvations. We are, we are citizens of heaven, and we enter into his family, and we together. It doesn't say I alone in my bedroom. It doesn't say when I'm watching TV, I'm alone. It says we together. I told you this is going to be real. Are you still with me? I, we together are his house and are being joined together in him. Paul writes that even the disenfranchised, the foreigners, the people who don't come from the line of Israel are welcomed into this collaboration of being part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And let me say this. Many believers heavily emphasize their personal independent relationship with Jesus and neglect their community interdependent relationship with Jesus. Our faith journey was designed to be partnering with others and we're actually called into a shared relationship with Jesus. It's why we meet every single week as a church. To champion community, to champion togetherness, to come together and worship God when two or three are gathered in his name. He's there in their midst. And if I can just be totally honest, maybe this is a little bit of a soapbox. This is where I maybe come up against an issue of church online. I get asked this question all the time. Hey, Alex, when are we going to do church online? And I stop and I go, maybe at some point we'll put our sermons up on Monday or, you know, stuff like that. But I talk to them about the fact that Church is meant to be a collaboration of believers, the gathering of the saints, the hearing of the word, the being spurred on in your faith, the encouragement of others, the standing arm in arm, the sharpening together of that. And when you're sitting alone in your living room, church can become very consumeristic. I just want to get my church fixed. I just want to get my truth fixed. Can I just tell you, that's not what the body of Christ looks like. It looks like the coming together. It looks like the breaking of bread. It looks like being devoted to one another in love. That's what the church needs to look like. See, God told Abraham, it isn't good that you're alone. Solomon said two are better than one. Jesus said that God is present when two or three gather in his name. So the New Testament is filled with love one another, encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, and be kind to one another. But so often we can be content with just tolerating one another. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. It says we're being built together. Amen? See, church worship sermons are never meant to be a consumer product. It's a place of collective participation. Are you with me? Even in the early church, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, after the first baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Peter stood up in front of the crowds and got 3,000 people saved in his very first sermon, Acts 2.42 was recorded as being the outworking of the early church. And I think how we see it, in 2022, so often as we'll read this scripture and we go, they devoted themselves to being alone and worshiping alone in their rooms. It's important stuff. Worshiping God, having an intimate relationship with him, but that's not what the scripture says. You're talking the early church spreading across the, the world. And so often we think it might say 
They devoted themselves to watching church online and checking the box of church in their life. The way we might live and look at church, and I know I'm just, I'm speaking a lot of maybe harsh truth right now, and I hope you guys are hearing some of the grace throughout. I promise this won't be this heavy the whole time. So often we look at church as we just got to get there, we got to check the box, we got to leave as fast as we can so we can get to lunch. And we're missing it when we see church like that. We're missing it when you don't linger in the lobby, when you don't drink the King State coffee in the lobby. So often we can miss the fact that we're being joined together. So what does it say? Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Do you see this? What did they do? The early church starts, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is really simply this. I mean, they didn't have the recorded word of God. They didn't have the recorded New Testament. They had the disciples there who were teaching them the stories and the things and the parables that Jesus taught them. So they got the firsthand experience of the New Testament by word of mouth. It was a beautiful thing. They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to fellowshipping with other believers, gathering together. Any moment they had, they're like, let's get together and be together. They were devoted to God's word. And even think about this, back in these times, God's word would have been publicly said because there wasn't written Bibles everywhere. So devoting themselves to God's word means they came together, heard the word and made a decision. I'm going to live this out. And they would pray together as they gathered. 43, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Because of their commitment, everyone was blown away by what God was doing. They were so devoted, you see this all of a sudden, people are blown away. Many wonders, many signs. 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had needs. See, they were so committed to each other that if someone had a need, someone else would sell something and give the money to them. They were so generous that eventually no one had a need. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful thing? Imagine what a church would look like if we lived with this kind of sacrifice. 46, every day. Everyone say every day. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, I love this. They spent time together in each other's homes. They welcomed them into their spaces. And every day they gathered. In verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, God gave them great favor with the people who begged to be a part of this thing. Others saw it and wanted it, and people were being saved day by day by their devotion to gathering and to being the church. So we see the outworking of the early church being focused and revolving around gospel community. Amen? Amen. Some of Brianna and I's favorite shows would be Seinfeld and Friends. Like you talk about when we're just hanging out and we've, 
you know, had a great day. We finally put the kids down and we're kicking it. We're going to watch some Seinfeld or Friends. Sorry if that offends you. Uh, we love just the tacky humor. Uh, we love that, like, the person is a genius who wrote these shows because they've created these friendships that you're like, they're never going to leave each other. You know what I mean? Like, they're always going to be together and they love each other. And throughout all the shows, you're just inspired by their friendship. You feel like you're friends with them, right? I mean, it's this funny thing that they've created in this, but something happens in every single episode of Friends and Seinfeld. Literally every single episode. I haven't seen one recently since I even wrote this message. I haven't seen one recently where this doesn't happen. What happens is, is Kramer bursts through the door. George rings the doorbell, right? Elaine comes all in all crazy. You see Joey burst into Monica's apartment. And what do they do first every time? They walk over to the fridge, they open the door, and they grab something to drink out of the fridge. Isn't that so funny? It's this, it's this thing that happens in every single episode, but it makes you feel like they're so close that they can just open up their fridge and they can get out whatever they want to get out. And I might venture to say that it's a healthy habit of community. You might say, the last thing I want is someone to barge into my house, go to my fridge, and grab something out of that. I get it. I totally do. But what if we created such a strong, healthy habit of being joined together as God's holy people? What if we were in community like the body of Christ is meant to be? We were devoted to one another that when someone comes into your house, they had refrigerator rights. They walk up to your refrigerator and they feel so close and so near to you because you have cultivated healthy community, healthy friendships, healthy belonging in the body of Christ. It's a silly example, but it's a beautiful example of how free and near our relationships can and should be with each other. See, as a church, we emphasize weekend gatherings, and it's beautiful, and it's, it's a great space to spur us on in faith and encourage this gathering. But we also massively emphasize city groups. We believe in small groups. It's the cultivating of healthy habits of gathering together. It's our God-given assignment. And I truly believe that church isn't built in rows. It's built in circles. When we gather together and we put arm in arm around each other and we say, we're in this together. So let's wrap up the rest of Ephesians together quickly. Jump back to Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. It says, together we are his house built on the foundation of apostles and prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So there's a foundation that's laid already for us. There is a great stable, rock-solid foundation of truth, of God's word, of his promises, of his goodness. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone himself. Verse 22. We are carefully joined together in him. Joined together. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I love that word, becoming. Why? Because this is something that we're evolving into. This is something that we're doing together. We're becoming this holy temple of the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. See, this is what the church is. Us being joined together in Christ and becoming a holy dwelling place where the spirit lives. Our unity, our togetherness brings the dwelling 
of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. This is a promise to us. This is us joining together. We are one body being joined together. Amen. I want to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 14. And I think that this really gives us a great picture and understanding of what this really looks like. It says, just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we're all given to the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of of one part, but of many. And then let's jump to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. So I got this little illustration that I think just really (laughs) helps us to see what I'm talking about. I skipped a lot of verses in there because it, it, it can feel a little repetitive, and I encourage you to read through all of that, and I don't want to take all of our time reading that passage. But the way I want to explain it is we are the body of Christ made up of so many different parts, not just even the people in this room. You talk about the collective beast, big C church across the nation, across the world. We are being made up of all these little parts. And in that in-between passage, it talks about like the foot would never leave. We'll see if this works. I don't know. The foot would never leave the body. Why? Because it wouldn't have any purpose. It wouldn't have any meaning. It wouldn't have any power. It wouldn't support anything else. It would be separate and not be called a part of the body. And so what we have to understand about the body of Christ is every single part is so necessary And it has to be joined together. These things are a lot tighter than when I was a kid. Has to be joined together. And there's even more to this than we can see. The things that are inside, the things that are unseen, coming together to form this great body, which is the church. See, we are all meant to be a part of this thing. Every single part collaborates to shape the body. Some people are hands, some are tonsils. We don't really need tonsils, so I guess you can just, never mind. (laughs) But you get my point. You get my point. It's such a beautiful example of us understanding simply that we all have a purpose, and without each piece, we don't make up the complete body. And how we do this is constantly cultivating a life of community and building healthy habits. And I'm going to invite the band up as I conclude. Everything we do at Grace City Tampa is to enable the forming of the body. It's to devote ourselves to Jesus' teaching and to fellowship with other believers. This isn't about competition with the church down the street or to see who can do it better. No, it's about collaboration with the big C church being the full body of Jesus Christ. To be the church, to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. So really quickly, I want to get very practical because I've been loving in this series how practical we've been getting, giving challenges. And I want to just simply walk you through five very quick steps of how to build healthy habits of a life of community. One, consistency at weekend gatherings. Consistency at weekend gatherings. You're a part of the church. Don't neglect our weekly meeting. Be consistent. 
Move plans. Plan plans for a different day. I tell you, the consist- you want to build a healthy habit? You got to be consistent at it. Be present and contribute. Show up early, stay late. Drink that King State coffee in the lobby. You know what I'm saying? Number two, consistency in small groups. Open your home and go to others' homes. Be consistent in it. Set it out in your week. It's a time to purposefully, the reason we do this, to purposefully gather together with the saints and spur each other on in faith, to support each other, to encourage each other. Make it a habit. Be consistent. Three, consistency in serving. We believe many hands make the work light, but when you serve together, you go arm in arm, you make a difference together. There's camaraderie. There's friendship, there's partnership, there's collaboration that happens. Consistency in serving. Consistency in godly friendships. That camaraderie and that partnership between each other, that iron sharpening iron, that coming together with godly friendships. And I would even challenge this with you. Have godly conversations every time you meet with another believer. Man, we so often can just be like, how's your week? What shows you been watching? What's been going on? Where's your travel plans? We like go, we get so thin. We serve the God of the universe. Like there should be so much we could talk about with God's goodness, his faithfulness. Tell someone your testimony next time you meet with them. Let's share. Let's let people overcome by the word, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. And five. Consistency in being discipled and discipling. Oh, far too many of us can let church be an experience where that's enough discipling. And I just challenge you and encourage you, there's a beautiful relationship between a disciplee and a discipler. And not only should you have that in your own life, but you should be giving it to somebody else. As you continue, and your healthy habits of a believer, you walk in maturity that God has for you, right? And you now can lead other people in that. So be led and lead other people. When we operate with this kind of consistency, we create healthy habits. I love even, there's a couple in our church, Jeremy and Val Rickard, and when Brianna and I first asked them, hey, we wanna grab dinner with you, we'd love to hang out with you, they invited us to come to their weekly date night. And I was like, oh, no, no, you don't need to do that. But I love the beauty of that. It's so ingrained in who they are. They go, come be a part of our intimate setting. Come have refrigerator rights into our relationship. We want to welcome you into our space. And I think that's a beautiful example for every single one of us. We shouldn't do life alone. In my life, I've had multiple moments where I was walking through struggles. I mean, I'm sure we could all agree. Where I was walking through hardships. And when I would get into godly community, even in a Sunday service or in a group setting or a godly conversation with another believer or even in a discipleship setting, it felt like those problems were non-existent. The struggles, the things that were weighing me down, the weight of the world, it felt like all of a sudden, I can do this. It's like, I, it's like my faith is boosted when I'm around other believers. 
But there were so many moments in my life when I broke off into selfish solitude and I was tempted to revert to the ways of the world. And I know we all have gone through this and I want to remind you that there's something so special and unique about when we are being joined together as the body of Christ. And I tell you for Brianna and I, in times of need in our life, we've had money given to us out of nowhere by people in the church. We, one time I remember someone knocking on our door and we didn't know how we were going to buy groceries that week. And someone handed us groceries through the door. I remember one time we had three kids and we made no money at this point and someone knocked on our door and had like 400 diapers and wipes sitting outside of our house. Countless times where the body was being joined together, meeting the needs. I know times when I've had moments of depression, anxiety, and friends have come alongside me and partnered with me. This is the beauty. You're not meant to do this alone. There's power in this community. And there's power when living as the body as God intended. See, when you fall short, you have people that are surrounding you. When you fail, you have people holding you up and supporting you. When you have doubt, you're surrounded by faith. Come on, somebody needs to hear this today. When you have doubt, when you have fear, you get surrounded by faith. And I believe today that when we lean in, saying today, I'm gonna create a healthy habit of community. It's gonna be unstoppable. And you know what happened in Acts 2.42? Every need was met. Everyone was in community. Everyone was fed and they prayed and they devoted themselves to the world. The word, this is what we're meant to do, amen? Would you stand to your feet? They devoted themselves, they devoted themselves. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Today, I just want to give a moment. For anybody that came in here today, and you would say, I hear you talking about Jesus. I hear you talking about this devotion to the Lord. And maybe today you haven't started into that. We just want to give you a quick opportunity just to be able to acknowledge that. And take your first step in this faith journey. That's all this is. This, this is you saying, I believe that there is a God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and, and I'm gonna take the first step and we wanna come alongside you and help you in that journey. Or maybe for even you, you've had a, a season where you've maybe chosen a different path and today I wanna invite you back into relationship with the Lord. I'm gonna count to three and at the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son so that you could know life and know life in abundance. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So you don't need to wait any longer. Step out in faith and believe that he is Lord. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just acknowledge in this place that you want to give your life to Jesus. Come on, I see your hand right there. Hallelujah. Yes, I see your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, can we celebrate people raising their hands in this place? Welcome to the family. Way to make a step of faith today. 
And that really is just the first step in this journey. That's the beginning stage. I want to welcome you into this. And I tell you, if you just raise your hand, the best way to continue being spurred on in faith is with the community of believers that are around you. So I have a challenge for everyone else. First of all, join a city group. If you're already a part of a city group, join another city group. Like be in community. Church isn't built in rows, it's built in circles. There's no reason why we can't be spending more time investing in our relationships with one another, spurring each other on. Second challenge, stop after service and grab someone's number. Set up a time to meet with them, grab a coffee, encourage them in the faith, share your testimony. And three, stay in the lobby after service for a little bit. Hang out with people. Share with one another, encourage one another. Be the church. Amen. I hope you're encouraged. I hope today that God did something in your life. And uh, just want to say to everybody that did give your life to Jesus, we just want to say welcome to the family. So glad you made that decision. Let's encourage them one last time. Incredible. We just want to invite you, if you did raise your hand, uh, someone would have come and found you and given you a little card. Please fill that out. Write your name, your number. We want to get in touch with you. And we want to help to disciple you in the early stages of this thing. And you can also, if you aren't able to find someone, make sure you stop by the Connect booth in the lobby. Also, if you are new, make sure you grab that card, bring it to the Connect booth. We want to get to know you, want to build relationship with you, and want to show you all that the church has to offer and all you can participate in. But hey, we love at the end of every service to say the sinner's prayer together in support of those who have said yes to Jesus. We're going to partner with them right now and repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. I surrender completely to your will. Today I choose to walk with you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. All right, go get in another city group. We got all of our city group leaders in the lobby right now. Go connect with them. We got some LaCroix for you in the lobby. Uh, we got some water bottles. Hang out for a little bit and uh, let's be the church together. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church. 